This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Friday, December 20th, 2019, and we have five days before Christmas. That's just before Christmas. We don't have too much, too many days before New Year's. And what? This is the last shopping weekend you have before Christmas. You know, and remember, New Year's, we're starting a brand new decade. See, I wonder if I will, I wonder if I'll exist at the end of the next decade. Pretty morbid, huh? Well, you know, for some reason, death doesn't scare me. I don't know why. It probably will when I get closer to it, huh? Anyways, that's what we got Christmas and we got New Year's, a brand new decade starting, so it's pretty exciting times. And of course, you know, the news, what came out today that was interesting in the news? Not a, When I talk about news from, from on this show, I'm not talking about the general news, really, unless it really affects stock market. I'm talking about business news, basically. So what was interesting today? We had some economic statistics that were good today that I liked. We'll be sharing that later on, I'm sure, in the show. Um, but nothing dramatic other than the stock market has still continues to rally, which, you know, this is a pretty strong little rally we're having here in December. It's so different than it was last December. I mean, last December fell 10%. And this December, I don't know, we're up about just this week, 1% or 2%. Pretty Pretty good, pretty good move. I'm Steve Peasley. I thank you for joining me today. And I hope you will call and ask your investing questions. It's all That's what the show is all about, your investing questions, your questions about anything financial. And when you make that call, of course, you take the show in the direction you want it to go. I mean, I, I have very little control other than I need you to keep those calls financial in nature. That's it. And of course, we all are, we're all working toward one goal and that's financial freedom. And sometimes it's hard. I mean, sometimes, you know, you invest, you think you're doing well and, you know, you're just wrong. I've been wrong. Trust me. I've been wrong, you know, in my lifetime. Don't think it, don't think that one of our talking points is about a very famous investor and he predicted in this year, he predicted the stock market wasn't going to go anywhere. Now, he had three predictions, three big predictions this year. Two of the three were right on the money, but the one that, the third one was he predicted the market was going to be up. Nope. I mean, the market was going to be flat. And nope, it was up pretty big. So, you know, no matter how good you are, don't think. Don't think. And this is what, and the reason why I'm stressing this is I don't want you to give up. You know, People have a tendency to give up when they're wrong. You can't do that. This the, the one thing about investing, you keep at it and you will be successful. But there's there can be long periods where you're wrong. But you just change your you gotta change your methodology and then just stick with it. And you'll be fine. Now I've told you you can index and wait thirty years and then you'll be fine. You don't even have to worry about picking individual stocks. You don't want to. Anyways, so we got some interesting talking points that we're going to talk about. But I'm, I, our goal here is financial freedom. And, you know, did, and I just don't want anybody to get discouraged if they're wrong for, you know, their portfolio didn't go up this year. Yeah, well, you know, that does happen. 
even in an up year, maybe in the wrong sectors, you know, who knows. So I'm going to help you along that financial freedom path, but of course, it's all about this call-in show and and talk about what I think is going to work and what I think is going to happen next year. And, you know, I'll share that with you. All right, anytime, this online is open now, so you can start calling if you like. We're live, 4 to 5 Pacific Time, Monday to Friday. The number is 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART. Now, as you know, the new you will be here soon. For those of you who have been asking for portfolio review consultations, you know, in your particular city, I do have, you know, I've been announcing that I'm going to be in Dallas, Texas on the 24th, and then I'm going to be in New York on the 28th and 29th, New York City. Now, I'm thinking about going to Chicago early next year, too. Um, And those, you know, I'm just trying to get an idea if there's enough interest in there, and I will go there. But I'm just talking about it at this point. I haven't set any updates. But I will be in Dallas the 24th. I'm taking appointments and in New York, 28th and 29th. So if you're serious about getting your portfolio asset optimized, if you'd like some experienced um, person such as myself to help you manage those finances, I'll be happy to do that. You know, the, the, there's two purposes of these uh, meetings. One, you get to know me meet me face to face. I get to look at your financial situation. If you want to do it yourself, that's fine. But also, you know, if you need to hire somebody like myself, I'll be happy to to be your money manager. I want to be your money manager. Of course, right? I mean, one thing I do that's very different than other people, I buy the exact same stocks for myself personally as I do for my clients at the exact same time and exact same percentage. So my portfolio will look just like yours. So I put my money where my mouth is, in other words. And I think every managing manager, you know, I really do think all man, money managers should have to do that. Why shouldn't they? Well, it seems reasonable to me. And in this day and age with computers, it's not that impossible. It's not that hard. Anyways, so give me a call. I'd be happy to sit down and talk to you. My main talking point today, the New York Stock Exchange legend who got much of 2019 right has predictions for 2020. This is a guy I talked about at the beginning. Two out of his three predictions last year came true. So a notable Wall Street financial manager thinks stocks will continue higher, but he expects volatility. I kind of think he's right, by the way. I really do. I, th- I think we're going to see some pretty strong volatility this coming year. And, yeah, we'll talk about that more. I've got some other interesting things to talk about as well that I wrote down. You know, every day, so if you want to get an idea of my day, I get up early, early, right? And I get up and I try to be in the, my office before the market opens. And I start reading I, that's, and start doing my email and reading. I, I Usually I read for first hour and then my email. And that usually takes two or three hours, believe it or not. But when I start reading, I also make notes on things that might be interesting on tonight's show. For instance, uh, Bank of Japan. You know, they had a meeting, you know, just like our Federal Reserve. Do you know what they did with their rates? Well, I'm going to talk about that. Consumer spending, we had some economic numbers, lots of economic numbers this week. So I wanted to talk about consumer spending. And finally, what happens the year after a very good year for the S&P 500? What happens? Since 1950, what's been the record? 
we're going to talk about that. I think those are three interesting things. So what do you guys want to talk about? Oh, well, I'm willing to talk about anything financial. Anything financial. What happened to the market today? Oh, by the way, since it's Friday, I will talk uh, uh, briefly about the KPP Premium Newsletter. You know, it comes out every Friday. So I'll briefly highlight some of the things that, that you know, I was in there. The market was up. Dow was up 78 points. The NASDAQ up 38. Uh, S&P up 16. We had a pretty big up week, 1, one to 2% rise in the indexes. So that was a good week. And let's see. Um, so that's what I have planned for today's show. But now let's take a question from our entire listener line number, 888-99-CHAIR. We're going to talk to Gene in North Carolina, and he wants to talk about Amazon. Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Thanks for the call. I do. You know, I, when I tell people I appreciate your call, I really do. So thanks for calling me. Well, two days ago, you were talking about Amazon having their own fleet of planes and getting into all aspects of the economy. And I was thinking yes. of some... Uh, portion of the of the sector of the economy that I don't think they're in yet, but I would like to see them in, and I want to get your opinion about it. Uh, sure. The clue would be, the clue would be what what type of debt would you think most millennials are most worried about that they have? Probably they. Pr- I'm thinking they probably still worry about student debt. That would be my guess. That's right. So I'm thinking, do you know if Amazon has all have gotten into all into the secondary education, the college market at all in terms of actually having their own I don't, universities I don't or think colleges? So. Nope, I don't think they have. I, I, I think they have not entered that. Um, uh, yeah, that's an area they're not in yet. I can see them getting into every every aspect, though. Have you noticed that they you know they sort of creep into the different places? I mean, well, they want to get into yeah, just uh, like. Go ahead. Just like how they took over um, Whole Foods, I think there are yeah. there are some there. Are, I think there's a whole bunch of private universities that are privately um, owned that are in financial trouble that are kind of the old-fashioned type. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. some of them are single-sex yes. mm-hmm. colleges that are running in the financial trouble. I think that Amazon could um, somehow partner with them, or in a sense, buy them out or take them over and and work their way in and. They obviously would change the amount of tuition and bring bring the price down. I think they would still need yeah, to be they accredited probably could, to yeah. universities. Yes, they still need to get accredited, and they probably would move more to uh, online college. Wouldn't you think? A lot more classes is online, maybe as well, because you know Amazon's into tech, you know, technology, trying to leverage the technology of the internet as fast and best as they can. You know, and everything else. Good, good question. Good point. Appreciate the call. Thanks. So that was interesting, I think. Okay. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and no one has ever been to been able to reliably predict the market. They just can't. And I don't think they will. But if you're serious about achieving financial freedom, you have got to be prepared for market volatility. And that is why you need to make sure your portfolio, your strategy, your, is balanced. That's what's in important about being a balanced portfolio so you don't get killed in the downtimes. So learn more anytime at investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Christmas will soon be here, then New Year's. 
Your financial freedom requires making the right decisions, and 2020 will bring new challenges. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are ready to provide unbiased guidance on Invest Talk or through direct engagement. Keep listening and learn more anytime at investtalk.com. 888 chart 888-992-4278. Okay. This is Invest Talk, everybody, and I'm Steve Peasy. Two-year Treasury, 1.62%. You know, I always like to, you know, bring up some of the highlights of the statistics that we're dealing with in our economy. The 10-year is 1.91, so the Treasury yields, the uh, the yield spreads are normal, and that's, you always... You want to make sure you keep track of the normal spread because when it does become abnormal and that means something to the economy. Gold at fourteen eighty three per ounce, kind of just hovering. Oil at sixty dollars a barrel. Gasoline prices two fifty five per gallon nationwide, three sixty in California, much better than it was just a couple months ago. It's over four dollars. You know, so Iowa's gasoline is two dollars and thirty five cents. Why I don't know. Why so it's cheaper? Well, I know why California, you know, they have special blends and taxes up the yin yang in California because that's where I live. I know that for a fact. So, anyways, um, we had a lot of economic news. I'm going to go through some of them before the end of the hour. Um, and really, it you know, there was a leading economic indicators. You know what leading economic indicators are? There was a leading economic indicator report out today. And that was flat. It was 0.0%. Now, you would say, well, that's not very good. And it's not. But it has been negative for several months. Now, the leading economic indicator report is comprised of 10 economic indicators. And what we're, so what I'm telling you is it looks like they're starting. it's, it's improving. Usually, it forecasts three to six months down the road what the economy is going to do. On the next Invest Talk, the unpleasant surprise waiting for you when you retire. Millions of Americans have tax deferred accounts, and you'll want to hear this story. It's going to be on Monday. But now, I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm ready to take your questions at 888 99 Chart. This is Invest Talk. Steve Peasley has added two new portfolio review trips to his schedule. Steve will be in Dallas, Texas on Friday, January 24th, and he'll return to New York City for two days, Tuesday and Wednesday, January 28th and 29th. These are no-cost and no-obligation consultations. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. Steve and Justin welcome your investing questions, and the phone lines are open. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to David in San Leandro. How are you doing, David? Fine, Steve. How you been? I have been very well, and I do appreciate the call. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, I've been under, I think, possibly a misconception that SPY represented the SP, uh, S&P 500 group of stocks. That's not quite so, correct? No, it is. That's what, that's what it's designed to be, okay, to represent the S&P 500. I'll give you the definition of SPY. 
Uh, it's exchange-traded funds seeking to perform its corresponding to the Standard & Poor's 500 Index. So, yes, it's designed to follow it. Now, got to remember, every ETF has an expense ratio, so it's not going to follow it perfectly because they charge. So, well, the index well, does not have top, expenses. If you look at the top 10 holdings of SPY, they're heavily weighted towards the FANG stocks. Then they add in one bank and uh, and uh, uh, a couple other things. It seems like that's that's kind of a little bit of a distortion of of the S and five you know of five hundred different industries. Uh, would, you're exactly or does this right. Change as go ahead. You're exactly you're exactly right. It is a distortion because the bigger cap stocks are distorting the index. So the underlying index is being distorted. So the SPY is just trying to match it, that distortion. See, everybody thinks it's, you know, the S&P 500, well, it's the 500 companies and they average them out. Well, no, there's, some of them are really, really tiny and some of them are really, really big. Well, not really, really tiny. Some are much smaller, but the S&P 500 is like, I don't know, 15, 20% of the S&P 500 is about 20 different stocks. I mean, or maybe 10. It's really top-heavy, really top-heavy. So they're just trying to match the percentage move of the S&P 500 index, the SPY is. They're just trying to match it, and that's why you're seeing a heavier load in some of those bigger companies. It It doesn't seem right, huh? You're the first one, by the way. You're the first one, David, who's ever brought this to my attention or to the attention of the audience. I don't think I've even brought this to you. I mentioned it as overweighted, but yeah, the big stocks dominate the S&P 500. Appreciate the call, Dave. Thank you. My main talking point today concerns this story. The New York Stock Exchange legend who gave, uh, who, who got much of 2019 right has predictions for 2020. Have you seen this? Everybody, well, I'm going to share it with you. Okay, so who is he? Well, this is Art Cashin. Art Cashin, multi-billionaire, of course, you know. Uh, Cashin, manager, director of UBS Financial Services. Uh, that's who he is. Uh, he's three predictions um, he had last year and three for this year. Uh, the three predictions he had last year, the Fed rate hikes, and there will be no Fed rate hike in 2019. That was correct. Uh, he said a final a China deal on trade and tariffs was unlikely, but something that approximated may happen. And he was right about that again. And his third prediction for this year, stocks will be flat in 2019 after being down in the first half of the year. Well, that was wrong, right? I mean, it was down in December, but started moving up in January. So that was wrong. So what's his predictions this year? Uh, first one, uh, I think the Fed uh, is somewhat intimidated by the market, and the market, if anything, thinks the Fed is ahead of itself. Uh, uh, despite a still strong U.S. economy, there will be no Fed rate hikes in this year. That's his first prediction. The market winning streak will continue this year, and the broader indexes at the very least. So, and so he thinks that's what's going to happen. And then prediction number three, stocks may be up, but there will be several periods of volatility, particularly in January, March, and July. Now, why is that? Okay, he explained. In late January, we'll get to see there's going to be a Brexit. 
Well, we'll get to see if there is actually going to be one. Remember Johnson, Boris, uh, the Prime Minister Boris Johnson was uh, elected, re-elected, and the Parliament went, you know, a lot of conservatives came in, and all those conservatives wanted to exit. So they're thinking about they might be a no-agreement, no-deal Brexit at the end of January. So that will be volatile for the market. In March, we will have Super Tuesday. One-third of the U.S. population will vote. And we'll see who the Democratic nominee is, maybe. Or if we're going to have a uh, a, uh, a brokered convention. You know what? I, people have, I, I had to explain this to my, my employees today, what a brokered convention is. That means when they vote, when you have delegates, they vote for the first round who they're supposed to vote for. And then the second round, third round, they get to vote for who they want. There might be, you know, they start making backroom deals. Interesting. Okay. Trivia question. Ticker symbols on the New York Stock Exchange come in various lengths. One, two, three, maybe four characters, right? Can you name three single character New York Stock Exchange symbols used by the older companies? So, you know, like Ford is F, right? Just one. But what about three? Name three letters. Characterize. Can you name three? And can you name three newer ones? That'll be the answer. I'll give you the answer after the break. 888-99-CHARTER is our number. From sunrise to sunset. Hi, Steve. This is Carol in Alabama. From dusk till dawn. Hey, guys. It's Carl from Philadelphia. The questions keep coming. I had a question regarding portfolio yield. From down the street, around the corner, and across the country. Big fan of the podcast from New York here. I'm calling from the Chicagoland area. From Newport, Kentucky. Invest Talk listeners have one objective. This is Frank from the Bay Area. Financial freedom. I had a question on your opinion about this Vanguard Total Bond Market Index Fund. How they get there and when they get there is up to them. My question today is about diversification. But Steve Peasley and Justin Klein can help improve their strategy with unbiased investing guidance. I really thank you guys for all of your knowledge and wisdom. Listen live or download the podcast, investtalk.com. It's Friday. The weekend is here or almost here for most people. The markets have been more than interesting and you want and need unbiased investing guidance. You're in luck. Steve Peasley is here ready with answers and he's waiting for your questions. Call Steve 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Okay, before the break, I answered, uh, asked a trivia question. The ticker symbols on the New York Stock Exchange and come in various lengths. The New York Exchange. By the way, the NASDAQ, they always have four. Did you ever notice that? Four symbols. A single character, dual character, three or four characters. But not all single character ticker symbols are associated with old line companies. So, as we go into break, here is a market trivia question. Can you name three single character New York stock symbols used by older companies and three single character symbols used by newer companies? Okay, so here's my answer. F is the New York stock exchange for a symbol for Ford. Ford's been around since 1903, 116 years. So that's pretty easy to remember, right? F. T is for AT&T. 
That's pretty easy. AT&T traces its origins back to the Bell Telephone Company, co-founded by Alexander Graham Bell, after Bell patented his telephone invention. One of that company's subsidiaries was American Telephone and Telegraph Company, AT&T, established in 1885. But, of course, the T, AT&T, was split up. You had 12 baby barrels. Do you remember that? 1983? You probably don't remember. K is for Kellogg. Kellogg Cereals, 1906. And as you know, listings for public traded companies come and go over time, so single-digit characters become available every so often. A is used for Agilent technology. Agilent was founded in 1999, 20 years ago. Z is for Zillow. Zillow, 2006, 13 years ago. W is used for Wayfair Inc. It's an American e-commerce company that sells furniture. And home goods. Wayfair was founded in 2002, only 17 years ago. So those are those symbols. What is the only single character symbol not currently used on the New York Stock Exchange? Do you know? P. P. I don't know. Is there only one? How about N? I'm trying to think of who N is. I don't know if N, do you guys, yeah, I, I thought N was not, was available too. Anyways, let's go to, let's go to Will in San Diego. How you doing, Will? Oh, pretty good, Steve. I've got a couple of questions. Number one is there's been a lot of talk about recession coming. You know, the market's been really up there and it's still pushing higher. But when yes. recession is on the horizon, what do you do to prepare for it? Do you simply get out or do you ride it out? Well, if you're a young guy or girl and you have plenty of time, the wiser move probably is to ride it out. If you're an older person nearing retirement, you're five years from retirement, you really can't afford necessarily to take the full risk of the market and try to ride that out. You could, but that, you know, you gotta, you got, it could be 10 years. You know, we had last recession, the market fell sharply and then recovered sharply and only, it took only one year to recover. That's not normal. Yeah, it right. takes several years to recover. Yeah, so so if you're older, you know what can you do? You don't go to cash. You can do bonds. You can hedge yourself. You can buy uh, gold or gold ETFs. You could you can buy inverse ETFs. Uh, so if the market goes down, they will go up, but still hold on to your stocks. Maybe you don't want to sell them because you don't want to pay capital gains because you've had them for a long time. So right. you can hedge yourself. You know, so there's different strategies you could employ, Will. And, of course, I do employ them. <laughs> you know, and cash is one of them. Cash is a hedge against a market fall. Right. So, right. but you know, so yeah, there's different things to do, Will. And if you need help, just okay. call me. I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to talk to you about them. I really will. Yeah. Appreciate the call, okay, Will. Thank my, you. Well, wait a second. My stock yeah. is NLY. Oh. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, let's see. NLY. N L is that an Lee Mortgage? Yes. Okay, yeah. Annalee Capital Mortgage Company. They're known for their dividend. This is a they're a thirteen and a half billion dollar size company. Uh, it's a REIT, real estate investment trust that owns and manages mortgage pass through certificates and collateralized mortgage obligations. These are those things that really took the, a huge hit in the last financial crisis. Remember that. So that's one of the reasons why no one really wants to invest them. They're scared of them. 
Now, this particular one pays 11% yield, but that yield varies every year. Don't think that that's that consistent. It's not. It's a $9.53 stock. They're going to make $1.06. So that's right around, they got to pay 90% of that in a dividend, and that's about 10%. So they should be able to maintain their dividend around 11%, okay? And recent sales have been pretty strong. Earnings have not. I'm not sure why that's the case. Sales are strong. Earnings are not the last couple quarters. Um, The earnings have fallen. So I'm not sure. Well, because they weren't as strong as they were a year ago. That's why I can see the numbers now. But it's a decent, it has been around a while. It pays a decent, it has been paying a pretty high uh, high, uh, yield simply because you know, we've had a pretty long bull market in, in the housing market and mortgages have been a good, you know, have been very low. So, um, I, I it's hard to predict, but I think housing is going to be pretty decent in 2020. So, I think at least the next year it's going to, you know, it's going to be decent. This is going to be a decent play. It has, it's right at its high of a year ago. So, it's right there at the high. It came off a low of about $8 or so. Now, it's at nine fifty three. Good luck with it, Will. Hope it works for you. Let's go to John in New York. How you doing, John? Hey, Steve. Um, I love the show. I got some. I mean, you've really helped me a lot with my uh, portfolio. Great. I'm thank- Good. I'm very happy about that. Question. Um, so I'm, I'm 26. I'm pretty young. I've, I've been building my portfolio for a couple of years. I originally had a lot of technology stocks. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to diversify a little bit, and I. I was thinking maybe some sort of commodity, something in agriculture, but I'm not really sure if that's going to move. And I just wanted to see what your opinion is to diversify away from just technology stocks. A bulk of my portfolio. Yeah, you really should. Yeah, technology is great. I'm not, you know, don't, don't get me wrong, John, but it is that, that there's one, one area of the market that can really do strong, great, and then also get really beat up bad. So it's like that. Uh, so it's better to try to balance that portfolio a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with commodities. I kind of like commodities a little bit because they've been beaten up for so long and it looks like the world economy might start gaining a little attraction next year and if that's the case commodity prices should go up i also like uh, regional banks for next year i think that's still that's a good area to be in uh, i like in certain industrials with the same theme of the world economy stabilizing and starting to you know get traction next year uh, and the reason why i'm saying that because we're going to have a partial deal with china so that's going to benefit a lot of the asian countries you know so i i think you need to diversify away from the tech knock it out but just diversify your portfolio it's really a smart thing to do john so it's a good question good luck with that i hope you i hope you get there the KPP Premium Newsletter was attributed to subscribers this morning, and it's pretty packed with helpful information. At least I think it is. First section is called the market, uh, the market conditions section. So a lot of solid economic statistics were released this week, and that's, of course, in that market conditions section. Uh, first, on Tuesday, the Home Builders Index for December showed a spike to 76 from 71, their index. That's a big jump in one month. So this indicates uh, an upbeat uh, assessment by the builders of the housing market. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean prices are going to skyrocket or anything. That's that's not it. They're just saying that uh, demand, demand, excuse me,
demand should be high. So they're going to build more homes. And we also saw that in the uh, new uh, new home construction, which was pretty good. And in the new home construction report, there is what's called the um, the permits. And so we looked at how many permits are being issued to build new construction. That was that rose, one point four million on an annualized basis. Pretty good number. So the housing part of our economy looks like it's going to be pretty decent next year. Doesn't doesn't mean doesn't mean again that the prices are going to necessarily move up that high. High just means that there's a lot of demand and there's there hasn't there's not a lot of inventory. Okay, uh, so that was then of course there's also the flash market the PMI numbers for the manufacturing and service sector was out this week. There was a number of reports that was out this week. Portfolio management section. Okay, that section, I got four sections of this premium newsletter. And it said, when investing in public companies, many people tend to focus on one positive factor and ignore all other. They think that that's going to be it. Try not to do that. You need to look at the pros and cons. Matter of fact, one of the things I do when I look at companies, I look for the negative. I don't look for the positive. I naturally are going to gravitate to the positive because I'm looking for a company. I'm looking for positives. But when I find the positives, I say, oh, this looks pretty good. Then I say, okay, what's wrong with it? That's healthier. Okay, that's much healthier. So that's how you look. You, know, you, you just got to do more detail and better analysis of the companies you plan on buying. Stock ideas. I had a regional bank I liked a lot. Regional bank. Also a turf and maintenance, uh, turf maintenance and landscaping equipment manufacturer in there. Notice I don't mention the stocks because I'm not allowed to on the air. Just so you know. It's not something I'm trying to avoid or I won't tell people. I just can't tell people. I can answer questions, but I can't bring up stocks just out of the air. I'm not supposed to. Okay. Consumer Watch, Article 100 trips in the U.S. everyone should take in their lifetime. It was kind of fun to go through those. This is an article I saw, and I took a lot of them. I'm amazed. Uh, Have you ever been to Bar Harbor Lighthouse in Maine in Arcadia National Park? Very interesting. But if you're going to go there, take the coast ride up the coast from Boston, the coast highway. And don't be in a rush because it's really interesting driving up the coast there. Just like it is on West Coast Highway here in, here in California. Go from Los Angeles to San Francisco on the coast highway. And it's a really windy road. Don't go fast. And take a look at Hearst Castle. I've done both those, by the way, several times. Matter of fact, from, from Los Angeles to San Francisco, my wife and I, about 20 years ago, rode our bicycles. Rode our bicycles. Took us like seven or eight days. That was fun. She fell, hurt herself, flat tire, <laughs> but she was she, she's in a lot better shape than I am, so she was way ahead of me, and I came across her bleeding on the side of the road. <laughs> anyway, uh, but anyways, you got to stop at Hearst Castle. That was uh, really neat to see, Hearst Castle. Um, so, hundred. I think that's really good. So, there's a lot of information in the KPP Premium Newsletter. And it's easy for you to subscribe. You can do it directly. Go to investtalk.com. And after subscribing, you receive the full report each Friday directly in your email box. Okay? Okay. And this information, you know, 
I encourage you to reach out to Justin and I at KPP Financial. Call our Irvine, California offices or send us a message. We'll take a look at your portfolios. We'll send out. Well, I'm very free with information, as you probably realize from this show. I don't mind sharing all the information. I want you to I want you to be successful. And I want to, if you want to, learn how to manage your own portfolio. You don't have to hire me or anybody else. But you do have to have interests and you do know have to know how to do it. Okay, let's squeeze in another caller question. This came in earlier, 888-99-CHART. Uh, hey, guys. Ben from New York. Love the podcast. Big fan. Quick question about gold. Like many people over the last year, year and a half, um, we purchased some gold. We've seen some decent returns. Not really interested in holding it long term. So wondering if gold has kind of finished its run up. And uh, as long as we've made some money, it's a decent time to sell. So just wondering about uh, gold miners ETF in particular or gold in general, what you guys think, if it's got more to gain this year or if it's done well enough. Have a great day. Yeah, gold had a good run from June to September. Okay. Gold run out. All but before June it went sideways, and after September it's gone sideways to down a little bit. But it had a nice run in those middle months of the year. Now the question is, is it done? I feel that we might have one more run left, and if we do, it should come in 2020. This should. Why? Why? Remember what drives gold? Dollar going down. Inflation. And war. So those are the three main things that drive gold. Okay, so let's talk about the dollar real quick. Will it go down in value this year? Well, we've seen some weakness already, but I think, remember, how does dollars go down? Well, it only goes down in relationship to other currencies. If other currencies go up, the dollar goes down. So how what drives other currencies? Well, what drives the dollar? Usually the economy. Our economy is strong, dollar strong. So I'm betting that I think that the European European economy, that the Japanese economy might get a relatively a little bit stronger than it has been, and that should put downward pressure on the dollar and upward pressure on gold. I think we're going to see a little bit of inflation too next year. Not a lot, but just some. So between those two things, I think gold might have one more run up. I'm not a big gold person, but I do have gold in some of our portfolios, and I will be selling it. I did take, you know, we did take some some profits off the table in some of our accounts for gold, but mostly we're still there. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here, and that's to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work continues after this break. So get your questions in now. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. On the next Invest Talk, the unpleasant surprise waiting for you when you retire. Millions of Americans have tax deferred accounts, and efficiently managing withdrawals is just as important as accumulation. That story Monday. But now Steve Peasley is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Steve, 888 99Chart. Hi, Steve and Justin. My name's Steve. I live in San Lorenzo, California. Uh, I love your show. I listen every day. I was wondering if you could give me your take on Kellogg's ticker symbol K. I've had it for many years now, and I'm holding a pretty large position. 
I was wondering what you think about it. Thank you very much. Bye. Well, the food company started to move a little bit. Uh, Kellogg is one of them. It had a really nice day. It was up 2.79% today. But it's been coming off its low it made back in June uh, at 6.51. And here it is at 68.64 today. And, of course, everybody knows who Kellogg is. Manufacturers ready to eat cereals and other grain-based convenience food products worldwide. Uh, sales are going to grow next year by 4%. It's not a strong grower, right? It's a big blue-chip company, $23 billion in size. So you want to buy these companies when they're inexpensive, and it is fairly inexpensive. It's a $68 stock, going to make $4.02. So, let's see, 4 so it's about a 15, 16 PE, which is kind of where the market is normally. Uh, this The five-year range for this company is 13 to 24. Great return on equity, 64%. Pays a 3.3% dividend and is now uh, broken up. It's broken high uh, above all resistance. So you got to follow this along. You know, if it's, it, it could be one, there's nothing wrong with holding this in your portfolio as a core holding and never sell it. Nothing wrong with that at all. So stick with it. Don't worry about it going up in price. It just you know it may just keep going. Who knows? Eight 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 ninety nine chart. I have a bunch of talking points. I don't know if I'm going to get to. Bank of Japan met, and they're keeping their rates unchanged. Well, what is their rate? By the way, the vote to keep it unchanged in Bank of Japan is seven to two. It's their Fed, right? Same you know it's called Bank of Japan. Their short-term rate is at negative one-tenth of one percent. Their long-term rate is at zero. The Swedish Central Bank also met, uh, met called a Risk Bank. You know, I, I can't speak Swedish, so, you know, Risk Bank. Uh, they raised their rate from zero to 0.25%. They're the, they're the first ones to do that in Europe. The first ones. Everybody else has negative rates. Consumer spending was up. I don't know if you know about that. You know, that's that's it was a three or four month high. So that's good. So we'll maybe get some more details. Uh, but I wanted to give more st- stats before the, we run out of time. What happens a year after a very good year for the market? The S&P 500. If you have a very good year, like we've had this year, what happens in the following year? Since 1950, 75% of the time after a good year for the S&P 500, good meaning like a 20% or more return, the very next year also goes up. What's the average of the very next year that goes up? 11.2%. That's the average. So we should statistically... Have a good year. And just another, some more little factoids. You know, it is an election year. During an election year, the Federal Reserve tries not to influence the market or, you know, at all. Tries not to influence the economy. Tries to step back because it doesn't want to be accused of favoring one party or the other. So likely they are to do, (laughs) excuse me, they're going to do nothing. In 2020, I have said, and I still think it's possible, it is possible they could reduce the rate by one quarter of a point. If they do that, I think they'll do that, <coughs> excuse me, in the first three months. One of the reasons why I think that is every year the f- voting members, there's 12 Federal Reserve members, right, uh, for the 12 districts. I th- and every year they change some of them. 
three or four of them, I forget how many are being changed this time. And those three or four are dovish on rates versus the ones that are leaving that are not going to have a voting uh, voting uh, uh, voting rights this time. So though they may push the rates down a quarter point at the beginning of the year. We'll see. We won't know that, but we'll see. I don't think they have any real justification for it, but they may do it. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another InvestTalk program, everybody. Justin will be here Monday. I will be return on Friday, the 27th, after Christmas. So please tell your friend and family members that I'm traveling to Dallas and New York in January. They could benefit from my no-cost portfolio reviews. Learn more and register now at InvestTalk.com. Good night, everybody. Have a great weekend. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 